Go ahead and give me that sanity check. <laughs> what? Ooh, too bad, so sad. Looks like you just picked up a derangement, friend. Happy Harvey here, and you'd be insane not to check out Chaotic Click Clacks. That's right, friends. Head on over to Facebook, Instagram, or Etsy and search up Chaotic Click Clacks. Peruse their exotic array of handmade gaming dice. So the next time you're staring into the gaping mall of insanity, you can do so with confidence and style. Remember, Chaotic Click Clacks, where we want to be your clack dealer. Welcome to Maximum Role Entertainment Podcast, where we take the time to interview folks within the gaming industry. And today we have Joe, the founder of Jayhawk Games, joining us all the way from Columbus, Ohio. Welcome, sir. Thanks for having me, Kelly. It's a pleasure. Right on. You know, I'm looking, I got your links to your website, your Facebook, your your social medias, uh, and your website. And, uh, you know, I was sitting there looking at the name, trying to figure out, because you know, I read into it a little bit. And I just, because I like to dive in a little bit in before, you know, I start talking with the guests. So um, you got so much going on. So let's start with uh, how you got the name and, and a little bit about your company. The name, if you look at the website, you'll see a list of people who work in the company. Yeah. And you have myself. That would be Jay. You have Haley B. That's our daughter, Haley. That's the H. Her twin brother, Alex, who designs, is the A. Uh, The TPK kid, Lori, our oldest daughter, is the L. And K is Karen, my wife. Oh, okay. I see it now. Okay. That makes sense. And and I, I came up with that idea probably three years before we published anything before the kids were ever really designing anything. It was just, it seemed fitting. I wanted a company name that was going to be unique. Yeah. And so obviously it's a family owned business then I'm assuming. Yes. Everybody has a hand in it. Somehow Lori does our social media and our con sales. Uh, My wife handles the finances for it and also does some design. Uh, my son has moved into design. He wrote an adventure at 10. We heavily play tested at different conventions for a few years. And now it's going to be released just prior to his 14th birthday. Uh, his, his twin sister did all the art for it. And then there's me, who's the eternal DM and main designer. <laughs> And That's, then my, my best my best friend Robert, who moved here to Ohio with us, and he works with us a lot too and stuff. I think I think that's the ultimate dream for uh, gamers. I've been gaming since uh, 1988, and you know I have a family now and everything. But that is the dream to have your entire family involved in your in your D and D world and and turning it into a company. I think that's amazing. Uh, my wife is not a a gamer she doesn't play D. she doesn't um she's an academic and so <laughs> she doesn't have the uh, imagination she said but she's a school librarian and a school educator at the same time so i'm like you're in the fantasy world but i yeah i think you got the dream uh, you know you got the whole family involved and that's awesome 
well, it's quite funny how that happened. Uh, my wife was a speedo model when she was younger. She was head cheerleader, straight A student, you know, Abercrombie and Fitch wearing girl. I mm-hmm. uh, like had no clue what D&D was. In her mind, the term D&D meant drunk and desperate. So when we started dating, he asked me what I like to do. And I said, I like to play D&D. And she had seen my past girlfriends and she was like, yep. And then finally she asked me what it was. And I kind of explained it to her, like picture yourself playing a character in a movie and you decide what you do. And when she became pregnant with our twins, you know, she wanted to play. And we started, I started running through a solo campaign and it just went from there. And now she's, she wants to play more than I do. <laughs> that's that's the dream. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. You know, that that's the unique part. A lot of folks don't realize that D&D, you know, uh, a lot of, you know, folks in our generation are, are older, you know, they remember D&D from the 80s and, and early 90s where it was like taboo and, and a bad thing. And, and, you know, now it's everywhere. So It is. And I don't, See, I never saw, I started playing 1987 and my family wasn't really all satanic panic about it. My mother bought me my first book, which actually was a box set. She bought me the uh, Forgotten Realms box set yep. and 1987. And so I had that before I had any manuals. I had to figure it out on my own. But uh, from there, it just evolved and I never saw the negative side of it personally but i do know friends who saw it and when we moved from pennsylvania to michigan i definitely saw it there because there was not a single gaming shop in town there was one hobby shop in town that mainly dealt with actual models and trains they had a little tiny stand of dungeon and dragons stuff but it was a little like magazine rack right that's it not much on it. I didn't see second edition until revised second edition came out in the nineties with the black covers. I only had access to first edition products because the guy wouldn't order anything. Yeah. That's it the was, hard part back then. It, like, you it, didn't find it. That town was, that town was locked down on it so hard. And now it's like that town now has four or five shops. Um, I don't know how many campaigns going on. I mean, it's a small town of 6,000 people, yeah. but there's a lot of campaigns going on. And a lot of the DMS came from my games before that, just because I took anyone who wanted to play at one point, I had a campaign with 16 people in it. Most of them run their own games now. Yeah. That's pretty cool. God, that'd be a lot of fun. Oh, it, you know, that's sorry. the hard part, not, not even with the pandemic, but just, even before the pandemic, it was hard to find, you know, that, that nice little shop um, uh, to play and, you know, have all your friends besides having them all, you know, at your house and everything. But, you know, those shops are far and few now. It's so hard for them. And you listen to their stories, their struggle on how to stay open, but at the same time, why they opened it and the love for, you know, the gaming world and, and now I think the virtual world has pretty much taken over 
because um, you can play with people from all over the world. I'm in a few international games and I run an international game at the same time. Uh, and we don't, you know, it's hard to go. Like Living in Germany, the, there's like one game shop near me, but all their books are in German. So <laughs> getting oh, DD books like, yeah. makes, makes no sense. I, I, I couldn't do it. And they charge like 90 bucks. I can understand years. some. I can understand some German, but not not enough to read the book. Yeah, but no. No, that's why I, I loved when we moved to Columbus. The first thing it is like, this is a city. It's the capital of Ohio. There's gotta be gaming shops here. Mm-hmm. And I looked up online, and I found the guard tower, the soldiery, a whole bunch of them real quick, and I started becoming a constant visitor. And my collection of minis exploded overnight because I didn't have access to miniatures either. Yeah. And now I have too many to paint. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I grew I've fallen up, into that trap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, growing up, miniatures were again far and few to even get because uh, I didn't have them. And now like people have uh I have a 3D printer now and I, I print off a whole bunch of them for like my cousins and nephews that want dnd you know figurines that i don't do it because my i i don't have the patience to sit there and try to paint them that but. that little that little shop that existed in the town that i grew up in uh they did have a lot of miniatures but it was mainly more because it was a hobbyist shop they did have a lot of Ralparthas and mm-hmm. paints so i had a large collection of metal miniatures when i was a kid but I did not like hauling those everywhere. Yeah, you <laughs> because get they so were, many of them, they're heavy. I was like four foot ten to five foot two, yeah. and I weighed all of eighty pounds. <laughs> and when you have eighty pounds of miniatures, it's not really easy to carry them around, especially when you're a nerd that's getting picked on. Right, and all the books, so I, you know, you got all that. Yeah. Stuff too. I, I stopped doing miniatures for years and just did theater of the mind. And that's where a lot of everything that our company has done is grown from. We don't use them a lot here in the house. Most of my miniatures are for cons. Yeah. We well, have, we've everything else has been theater of the mind here. That's just how we create things. Yeah. I think that's a lot better. Even in a lot of, almost all my podcast games, uh, I don't use a map uh, or I, I have a map that I made for my world and I, they have that, but uh, we don't put miniatures or anything on it. Like uh, the digital stuff. We don't use roll 20. Uh, Cause I feel like it takes away from the theater of the mind. Cause now you're more focused on like your, your, the grid squares you're moving around on. And then all of a sudden you spend 20, 30 minutes trying to figure out how you want to get through this door. Cause you're like, Oh, it's, or you, you want to, investigate the room even more because it looks like it's got some nooks and crannies and i feel like it takes away a little bit that's i i use it mostly for combat i'll, I'll have miniatures and stuff because that's that you kind of need the the you need to know where the, they are yeah you need the layout kind of stuff that's that's the extent that we use them at home even though i have a nice collection of dwarven forge and i have some fat dragon games material printed out i that's all for cons i don't yeah. break it out at home because it's too much to break out at home. It takes up too much room. And I really need it for combat. Yeah. Well, looking at your website, you know, when I first went to the website and looked at it, 
I was like, oh my God, it, it, the, the covers and stuff you use for your books are basically bring me back to, to the, you know, the early days of like going to that, that rack, you know, in, in the game shop that has, you know, the magazine or, or uh, comic book rack because those books were all jammed in there. I kind of like that style. Mm -hmm. So like, I really like how you, uh, your adventure books go and look like the old school. You're not trying to reinvent the wheel with, with like the presentation of it. No, I even, I even went, let me pull one down here. The interior, I worked the font similar to, if you can mm. see that I went with the same font or the closest I could come to that TSR used back in the day and same formula, the bold and what's, what's bold, what's italicized, what's underlined. Yeah. And I kept it two columns per page. Most pictures are a quarter of a page. The only thing I can't do is because it's not really cost efficient is the separate cover. The yeah. printer I go, the printer I go through for my books it's better to go through them and have it cover attached than go through one where I have the book separate and the cover separate. Yeah. The sleeves. Yeah. yeah. Although at some point I hope to have my own printer and just cut out the middleman and do it all here in my basement, in my office, that's down the line. Yeah. That's our plan for and all of our, then I would, I would love to be able to do it myself and print the covers myself, but that's down the road. Yeah, we're we're uh, going through a company in Canada, and then our soft cover books we're looking at using a place uh, in the states um, that does really good, uh, good that quantity, is, good amount. Yeah, it's it's really hard to find a good printer. Uh, that is one thing I have to say. I'm sorry to interject. There is one nope, thing I have to okay. say. My wife's always in my ear about this. I have to push this. Everything we do is produced 100 in USA. Yep. Everything. I'm. I've always been, I'm not bringing politics in here. I'm not saying oh, no, no. scale. Although, I, although I most people know, know, most people know if they know who I am, they know where I sit. But I've always been behind having jobs here in the States, period. I lived in Michigan when North American Free Trade Agreement happened and I watched all the factories in the town shut down, just yep. gone within a few years. All those jobs were gone. They went to Mexico. So I'm like, no, we're going to do this company. My printer's going to be in the USA, period. Uh, so all my books print here in the US. The Kickstarter, the box is made here in the US. The maps are in the US. All the books are in the US. When we, awesome. when we thought about the idea of having miniatures with it, we talked to a US miniature creator who didn't have the time so it never worked out but we did speak to someone about it that lives here in the u.s makes his miniatures here in the u.s uh we're talking to studio 66 right now about dice for next year for cons and yep. they're based in wisconsin we we don't play around with it that's why like with our kickstarter uh our planned delivery date to everyone in the U.S. and Canada is by the holidays because we can do the turnaround time. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the uh, 
you know, if you're doing soft cover, I think the turnaround for us for 200 copies is like two weeks. It's, it's not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've got like, I get like a week and I have all my books and that's because I'm doing it here, not in, you know, I'm not China, China to do it. And then I have to wait for it to come by boat. Oh yeah. I, <laughs> it's uh, like, I'm, no, I'm not against <laughs> overseas. Uh, I mean, I, I'm working on my international MBA right now and uh, living in Europe, I, I would still source in the country that I'm doing a majority of the work. I mean, uh, China, it's just so hard because a lot of people that I interview that have Kickstarters and they all get their books in China because they do them cheap, which is fine. Great. But I would rather, they fall rather, I would rather take the hit financially, have a quality product that's going to stand up and have the turnaround time that I have. Yeah. Like if I need, if I need copies of a book, if I sell out like the very common every year, Gary Khan, yep. my website runs out of books. Yep. I have to order more. Well, I have them in a week. Yeah. Week, week yeah. to 10 days. I have them. And you don't have to worry about, about uh, I'll throw out quality. I don't throw out anything. It's done. It's taken care yeah. of. Yeah. And I like that. boat cracking up in the middle of the ocean trying to cross no all those kickstarters are like no <laughs> or pages uh, being upside down or uh, yeah, yeah. falling apart uh yeah i i go with yeah. something quality made and we, i want we, something that i'm gonna have quick i'm good with canada and the u.s i'm good at both of those uh the, the company in canada because we're doing a linen book and and it's like a pirate style game setting and everything uh, we wanted to have that nice quality and all the places in the States uh, are so booked up right now. Uh, they're like, oh man, gaming books are a huge thing right now. So uh, I was like, the farthest we can go is Canada, uh, China, Asia, and, and all those other countries. I mean, I'm, it's great. They can do it quick. They can do, you know, have all this stuff, but it's that turnaround, you know, or it sits on their dock for, uh, there's one Kickstarter interviewed. He's like, oh, I'm still waiting on the, the crates that got stopped at mm -hmm. customs on the dock and I have to wait four months for it to get checked. I was like, wow. And so I was yeah. like, scratching that off my wall. I'm like, I'm not going to overseas. So no, but, I'm not interested in that yeah. <laughs> at all. I, like yeah. I said, I could get my books printed for under a dollar each going yeah. to China, Yeah, but I'd rather not right. wait. I, for my yeah. books, I'd rather be able to order them when I need more. I'd rather have a product that people can get quality. And if I don't make as much money, I don't make as much money. At least I'm still putting out something that everybody enjoys. Yeah. And, and so, quick. Are, are, so all the books soft cover or are they hard? Or is it all of them, are, all of them right now are soft cover because everything's an adventure. Mm -hmm. um, next year, we'll be doing our first hardcover book. Uh, we'll be doing, we, when we start out with fifth edition books, because we start with fifth, trying to make fifth edition and it's like, you're a tiny fish in the Atlantic ocean. It's right. not going to work. Uh, financially it was, a, it was a dump, but we did a monster book called lethal lexicon. And next year we're doing lethal lexicon redo and it's OSR and it's expanded from just over 50 monsters to 300 monsters. So think of it like 
a monster manual three. Yep. For first edition, it's going to be about the same size. It's going to have similar font and layout to the original monster manual. Um, similar style artwork. Haley does a great job with black and white line art. She's about a quarter of the way through the monsters, which is why it's going to be next year because she's 13 and she does art at her own pace. Yeah. No, I think that's really cool though. I mean, that's right. like a unique. That's that's going to be our first hardcover. Right now, though, it's all been soft covers. It's all adventures. Aside from the first Lethal Lexicon, which was a soft cover, it's 50 paid, 50 monsters. Why am I going to do a hardcover book of 50? Right. It made no sense. And then the box set, which I have my proof here. Ooh. Now, does each adventure have its own uh, box set, or is that the collection? No, the box set is our campaign setting that I've built over the last 20 years. Nice. It's a full, like, old-school box set campaign setting. What I did was I took a look at the old box settings from TSR, and I chose for my layout the original one from 1983. I, I'm not going to name the IP, but yeah. I think we all know which one it is. Yeah, that Darlene did a wonderful map for. And that's kind of how my layout is, but a little bit more organized uh, and a lot more content than was in there. I'm putting in 20 races, uh, 10 new classes, uh, 10 monsters, but also a full background on the world. Okay. And the, the world of Derman itself has a long history but i'm not a big canon guy i saw what it did to forgotten realms and how you know it's it made it a mess basically what i want to do with this is here's a brief history of it we we want you to make it your world now right here's our world make it yours Do, do what you want if you want to kill off all the deities that we have go for it in your home game by all means we're not going to hold it against you and we're not going to put out a bunch of splat books in the future and make it you know huge and rich once in a while we'll be like look this is what we've done recently but our main focus is our adventures however i want people to see this world because i think it's unique it's it takes a bit of flavors from different worlds that you've played in that are in fantasy and in some other forms of role-playing and then some stuff that we've come up with over the years and puts in this world that was once one continent, but is now four at the same time is also a demi-plane. So it can be dropped into any existing campaign for a one-off or for, you know, your characters kind of there they could be playing in whatever world you're in and be in this one for the next three months because they got sucked there it's okay. something different no yeah but it, I, feels, but it feels familiar yeah yeah no it, it does it has that very familiar look as i'm as i'm going through the website um looking at uh all your different options that you have which are amazing by the way uh, you, you mentioned Darlene. I interviewed her a, a while back. Uh, I haven't posted that um, that episode yet because I'm trying to get all the artists. But 
yeah, that Greyhawk poster, she uh, she did an amazing job with it. And I ordered her card set that she made um, that was before the Magic game was put out there. So like, it's actually a really cool card game and uh, some coloring books that she still does. She's still doing stuff. She's got a Patreon and website and still putting yeah. out products. So yeah, she's a, an amazing artist. And uh, yeah, as soon as I post that episode, we talk about the Greyhawk map greyhawk map and all the intricates that went into her doing it over several months leaning over a giant table with her tiptoes like hanging off the side uh doing all the artwork um and you can actually get the greyhawk font from her uh and use it for licensing if you pay a certain amount of money than uh i did so that when i start doing my other book i'm going to use the greyhawk font for the whole book because it is amazing i've 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 considered because i do love it i i love that font and i have considered it um yeah it's pretty reasonable and she's really nice about it it all goes to her it's not a third party she had someone make it for a long time ago and and uh i'm on i'm one of her patreons uh just because it was so cool you know our conversation and everything and i was like oh i love your font and she drew she did uh, my name in her font that she did and sent that to me. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. I really, I really like that font. It really brings me back to the old second edition, you know, setup and everything. So, uh, yeah, you just made me think about her. She's, she's a great oh, person. Yeah. yeah. And the, the map she did for that was amazing. And I've never personally owned it. Believe it or not, I have the books, but I don't have the box in the map. And I had to look for pictures of that while I was doing, while I was taking all my scrap notes because there's a large waterproof box down here. It's, uh, I'd say 12 inches by 36 inches, just a big box for hanging file folders. It's all our world stuff. And uh, like there's characters from 20 years ago in there and I had to take my map and I had to, somehow make it digitized so doing my world map and trying to do it and trying to do her style and using the program i was it was it was hard i had to look at a picture and go here and go okay so she did this kind of thing here and i'm trying to replicate it but not copy it in a digital program it, it's like hard it's just yeah, really hard the way she explained she actually layered everything they layered all that stuff uh all the acetate of different colors it's all layered on top of what she did uh which makes it super unique because it was i i was like that's got to be super hard she's like oh yeah we months of layering everything and, and getting in like now you have programs that you can do that with no problem but they're doing it you know the original way because uh, that's all they had back in the day and it still took me months layering it in a program yeah, just to get it to look good because I'd get I think I have it done. They'd be like, "Oh, I messed that up. I have to go back down to that layer and fix that, and then it throws off more of the map." Yep. But yeah, it was definitely something that was behind the thought of it. That that whole first box set, and it's entirely Darlene's work, Gary's work, was a big influence on how this worked. Even though my first product I owned was the Forgotten Realms one. It was still a bigger influence with the older one because it feels more 
feels like it fits more with everything that I've done. Yeah, I, I, when I was talking to her, I was like, oh, I had her map on my wall when I was growing up. And I, I went afterwards, I was trying to find pictures of it because I had pictures of like the old Forgotten Realms maps on my walls and stuff. But I had the Greyhawk map on my wall. And I don't know what happened to a lot of that stuff. Maybe uh, my brother, or, you know, just moving. And, and uh, when I joined the military, I missed I, half my stuff got I don't know where it went so I was like oh man <laughs> so I lost a lot of that uh, stuff but I still have a lot of my original D&D books and some of the stuff that she did um, you know I was showing her when we were talking I'm like oh look I got this in the you know because she's a pen name uh, for a lot of her stuff um, so it was really cool to she's like oh I did this and I did this and I did that and you know just those to be able to talk to those folks to to get that that input of knowledge on how that stuff is done, you know, it's very inspiring. So it's just one of those things, like when you start making products for D&D, it just brings you back to when you're little uh, and, and hopefully the stuff that you develop, you know, people down the road have that same thought right. process. And I feel like anybody that looks at your stuff is going to, even at our age, are gonna have those fun memories of, of back in the day because that's it's hard to find those original second second edition first edition module books and then when you when you do get them if you never yeah. played it you don't understand it because <laughs> it's not fifth edition and and if you do find them they're also expensive okay. <laughs> it's hard. i was at when i was at phoenix con um not this past weekend but the weekend before there was a guy there who had a copy of Unearthed Arcana oh. that didn't even have shelfware. Oh. It was yeah. still it still had gloss on the cover. <laughs> One second. Well, I guess I'm a bad. Um, yeah, yeah, that. You know, I mine's got some wear, but you know, mine has a little bit, but my spine's still good. But yeah, this guy had this guy had one that was it still had the gloss on the cover. There was no corner wear from shelves. He said he had gone to an estate sale and he found three of them like that. He's like, I sold two of them last year on Amazon for 150 each. I'm like, and you sold them too cheap. <laughs> yeah, you could have made. I, I was like, you have a diamond, you have a diamond in the rough here because I've never seen one this good, and I've seen many. Yeah, uh... <laughs> I, I'm like you. I'm like, I, I, it's it's in a bag. I'm like, I want to hold it, but at the same time, I don't because I don't want to hear that spine crack. Yeah, that's. I, I mean, it looks like it's never been opened. Well, I was that's like, the hard part, you know. Wow. But I, I think you up put my. Thinking ended up pricing it for 300 I don't think he sold it. I would have paid, I would have bought it, but I'm pretty sure I would have been dead for that one. Oh, yeah, no, I have to. I was, my wife's like, hey, um, what's this charge? And I'm like, ah, there's a Kickstarter and uh, I had to do it. Um, there's yep. a lot of these books, you know, people don't really realize, like, you know, the, the value of them. Not so much like the value and the cost, but like the memories that come from it. They don't make them anymore. It's super rare to find them. 
Um, well, yeah, and, I, I won't, I won't part with that. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it's held together by tape. That's, that's a second printing 144 page. <laughs> I don't care if it's falling apart. I don't care. No, it, I won't get rid of it Yeah. because I, it's sorry. That's that and my forgotten realms box set are my two oldest books that I own from when I first started playing. Nice. I, I found I found that 144 page one at a used bookstore when I was a kid, and it was okay. like, "Wow, this is cool." I did not know how rare it was or the story behind it because I was ten years old, eleven. Yeah, when I got that, and I I didn't know I didn't know until the advent of the internet of the whole story behind DDs and demigods. Yeah. You know, and that's the, the like when, when me and my wife and family go back to the States, uh, they have garage sales. They don't really do garage sales here in Germany. It's not a thing. And every time I go back, I'm always, oh, I got to go out. I'll go out in the mornings uh, just because I'll see if I can find people that have old D&D books. Yeah. Uh, you know, like grandma or, or a, well, yeah, they're all grandmas by now, but they're like, oh, I'm getting rid of all this and you can get them super cheap and you I'm like, I got to save these. <laughs> it's, you know, it's just, they're just sitting on a table getting weathered and. Yeah. You can't see it in the video, but uh, the two bookshelves behind me, um, you can see how big the shelves are. The yeah. bottom two shelves on each of them is nothing but dragon and dungeon. Oh, nice. That's a lot of that is from garage sales. <laughs> yeah. I, a lot of it is from garage sales where I, I have almost full runs of both. Nice. I'm like, I think I'm 60 short on Dragon and most of them are before issue 50. And Dungeon, I'm missing like seven issues. Nice. And number one, number one isn't one of them. I've got that. And I'm like, they're starting to take up a lot of room, but I don't <laughs> want to get rid of them. But they're starting to take up a lot of room. Yeah, but now, see, your household, you're all in the world where i yeah we all we all do <laughs> stuff regularly here this is it this is my little room that's why everything's like jammed and whatever this is all i get <laughs> so like oh well, yeah there's no D D stuff anywhere other than the office well we keep it in my office as well but we're also we're redoing how it's set up down here we're going to be moving our gaming area from upstairs to over to my right here nice. so i can just dm right from my desk and they'll be sitting on two couches with a table in between right over to my side here. So I can just DM from here and the party will be sitting there. And then if we need to reference a books instead of running downstairs to the office and grabbing it, just reach over on the shelf and grab it and reference it. Perfect. Sounds good. And that way I was like, cause that was the deal with my wife. Cause my wife loves gaming, but she doesn't want stuff everywhere in the house. Yeah. That was my deal with her. It's like, okay, we'll put all the gaming stuff in one room and you can do whatever else you want with the rest of the house. Yep. Yep. Because so, she, she, she likes it looking nice, neat and tidy, and that's fine. And the gaming stuff does have a tendency to just go everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's how my, well, yeah, that's how my wife is. Everything has to be, you know, we're in our 40s. So we, it's got to yeah. look adult style <laughs> i look adult and then you yeah. walk into my office and you're like what puked in here i know because... that's how my, 
she's like, I'm like, I need a shelf. I need to put uh, another shelf. She's like, you don't have any room to put shelves. You're, you're taking, I'm like, well, I might need two rooms. My, my daughter took the bigger office for her room. This used to be her bedroom. But as she's growing, we're like, oh, I got to move her to a bigger room. And I'm like, fine, I'll take the smaller room. And, you know, that's just, that's just life. Uh, but I, I loved your background with all the gaming stuff. It's a lot of history. I see fifth edition, second edition. And yeah, there's just like the wide range of, of you know, gaming world behind you. That everything, everything but fourth edition is on that shelf. I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> at some point, at some point, I will own the fourth edition core three books only so I have a complete set of core books across the board, but I still can't bring myself to spend the 15 bucks it costs for them used when I can spend that 15 bucks on primer (laughs) or something else. But yeah, there's, I I have everything from OD and D because I have uh, the great Hawk book Um, basic first, second, uh, second revised, third, 3.5, fifth, and then a bunch of other RPGs like Shadowrun and stuff yeah. in there just because I've played those at some point. Yeah. Well, speaking of pricing, what's uh, looking at your website, uh, your prices are like, like amazing. I mean, that's for you know each book, that's not too bad of a price. Um, considering most like D and D books these days are almost double that. Oh yeah, those are, the events always run like twenty eight to thirty two pages. And I just threw out the number twenty dollars, twenty dollars USD uh, on them when I was like, "What are we gonna price point these at?" And I threw that out there, and then I went back a few months later and looked, and that's actually the exact um inflation rate from what the original ventures cost yep yeah it's pretty good i mean so so i kind of pointed it without trying that it's just the same as it did back then it's just inflation yeah i caught up to and that's the same with the box set the box sets priced it for the kickstarter your basic box set's 50 bucks that gives you two books about the world an adventure and five maps, one of the world, which is massive, and then one of each continent with hexes on it. So the I mean, box that the box you showed me earlier, is that the box set that you're doing for the Kickstarter? Yes, that is the box. Oh yeah, okay, cool. And then instead of instead of the two-piece lid, because those have a tendency to collapse, yep. and they're also really expensive to print, apparently. Yeah. I went with the mailer oh. style box it folds okay and then it holds everything in it i already have my copy of the adventure that comes with it uh-huh. and i already have my app proofs all of those i'm still typesetting the uh two uh main books about the world everything okay. else i have in here awesome and they're like i said it, the world map is 36 by 24. It's it's huge. Yep. So let's let's dive into let's dive into the Kickstarter. Let's let's let folks know about um we'll start at the top of your Kickstarter and we'll come back down to the box and, and talk about your tiers and and uh you know basically 
stuff right. about the world and 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 the Kickstarter in general, just so like folks can have an idea, uh, if they listen and and jump okay, on. So, and... Okay, so to really explain the world, I have to go back about twenty years. I was playing. I had a regular group, and I wasn't the DM, but our DM got burned out, and he had other things come up, and so my friends just like, "Why don't you DM?" And I had been writing a character that had made it to really insanely high levels. And this was a second edition campaign. And I was like, okay, well, in that campaign, she was given a sort of a demi-plane world of her own by the deities in that past DM's campaign. Why don't I use that to build my world? Because we never said how big it was, anything about it. So it started developing over time. And I would pull little things from here and there that, oh, I like that sort of idea. I like that feel. I, I like this feel. I, I like that Gothic campaign setting over there. I like that feel for some places. And then over here, well, I, I like this Dwarven style theme for over here. I pulled all those together, create a world, gave it a nice backstory dealing with the past games campaign. So it kind of segued in for all the other characters. And then as I built it and new, those players left, new players joined old players became, or old characters became NPCs and hero, you know, past heroes and some of the villains in the world, which is by the way, for anyone out there creating your own setting, that's a great way to populate a world is using past characters from the world. Mm-hmm. It also messes with your players when they run into one of their past characters as the villain, it gives them a real tough choice, but yeah, so we built it and we had a cataclysmic event in the world. Like every good campaign in the world needs to have At one point we had a cataclysmic event and it took this one large continent and split it into four nice. and also created we had a new race of dragons created at the time. Those would be the IR dragons. We actually had a fifth edition book that we put out with them in it. Um, they are, like, if you look at the history of dragons, you've got the lawful, the evil, the neutral, and the good. And But they never touched on chaotic dragons. And so I created a family of chaotic dragons. And their breath weapon is false radiation. And that has affected the world in some strange ways. But going into it pretty deep, the artwork that's on our box right now, I don't know if that's the art we're sticking with, but that's by, um, that was stock art by, by Estruns at criticalhit.biz. Um, I liked it because the title of it is Master Builder. And this box set is pretty much world building. We've made it a demi-plane that you can put anywhere, but we've also made it very sandboxy, like our maps. Yep. What's marked on what's marked on the maps are cities, large towns, and specific locations like a citadel or a tower of some point that's 
going to play out as we put out adventures. But otherwise, small towns, villages, hamlets, that's all up to the DM. If you have an adventure that you want to play, let's say you want to play T1, Village of Hamlet, just that, stick it in there. It'll work. Pick a spot. Doesn't matter. You have your own village you've created, the village of goofy men. Stick it in there wherever you want. We don't care. I have my master list, but I don't want to overwhelm people. Yep. So I do like I that box was... cover. And it's thank very, you. It's very rustic, very, you know, it screams. I, w- I wanted to keep it simple. I didn't want to get all fancy and like I was saying before, the box set from 1983 that Darling did the work for, I love the art on that box set, but I did not want to go that heavy into detail because I felt while it pops you, it can also distract or mislead what to expect inside. Like when you look at that and then you actually read those books, my one problem with those books is the organization on them was not that great. (laughs) that's the hard part when you have a bunch of writers it's hard to and we we run into that same issue it's like now we have to like take everybody's thing and organize it so it makes sense Um, and that that box set in particular i mean you have stuff about the deities chapters about the deities in both books and i'm like why why couldn't you put them together in one section in one book so ours has a little bit better organization. Um, but yeah, that's in short, that's the Kickstarter itself right there. That's the basic box. 50 bucks gets people the basic box set, maps and all. And we've gone and added on PDFs into it now because we've come to realization that there are a lot of people who want digital copies of things. Yep. I'm not a big fan of digital personally. I'm always looking over my shoulder about piracy, but uh, it's the times and I have to adapt. So yeah, that's the hard part. There will be an electric, there will be an PDF of those as well. And then as you go up through the backing levels, it gets even more awesome. Like at $60, you get to pick one of our five adventures that we have as an add-on. at at a half price off the cover price of the module. So you paid 10 bucks more, you got $20 module. And then $80, you get what we call Disco Dermon. That's our Disco Trilogy, which is what really put us on the map with the OSR. I still have to thank Luke Gygax for that. Every time I talk to him, it's like, thank you. (laughs) He's he's the one one who started that by wanting to see the meme of Valor Palace of the Disco Emperor made for Gary Khan which I volunteered to do, not knowing what I was getting myself into. Mm-hmm. Uh, he co-wrote the second part, Grow Over the Disco Duck, with me as best as we could, you know, get together to talk about it because he's very busy with his uh, day job. Yep. Military life is still rough, even if you're... Oh, yeah, Lieutenant Colonel there. Yeah, yeah he's busy. Brigade he's busy. XO, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's, he's busy. busy and then... Uh, Disco Demolition, which uh, I I had to uh, acquire permission to use the trademark from the man who created Disco Demolition Night, Steve Dahl. Um, That's the Disco Trilogy. At $80, you get the World of Durban plus the Disco Trilogy 
half off, which that is run every year at Gary Con and it always fills up. Yeah. It's insane. Um hundred dollars. We have everything in Dermon, which is everything we've published right now. You've got the box set, you've got all five of our adventures at half price. Nice. Don't have to do an add-on for them. And then we have the the Buka one. And I, I didn't expect to see anybody really do this one. There's only five of them at $200. That's everything at the $100 level. Plus, you get a private game with us at a con we're visiting in 2022 or 2023, depending on what happens with COVID over the next few months. Yep. Um, we'll cover your pass. You get yourself there and you're staying all that, but we will cover your pass for the con. Like if you're going to be at say Gary con 14 in 2022, you back at this level, we'll pay for your silver badge. If you've already bought your silver badge, fine. We'll give you the money back that your silver badge cost, or we'll pay for your badge in 2023. However you want to work it, we will work that deal out. And yeah. what will happen? What will happen is there is we will set up a time, well in advance to come with you, before you put in your DM events, before we put in ours. We'll set up a time and we'll go look. We're gonna game say at seven p.m. on Saturday night at the con, and we'll all get together. You will sit down with me, my wife, the TPK kid. And starting at Gary Con, the twins, because they won't be at ice, they won't be at Ice and Dice, which is our next oh, con. Yeah. They they're 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 gonna be in school right then. We're not gonna pull them out for multiple cons. And then uh Robert should be coming with also, and you'll get to play a game with the home team, which will be a as of unreleased adventure, where you'll get listed as official playtester and you'll get to run through something new that even the home team hasn't seen yet. And because I've got I've got like 35 adventures that are halfway done down here that I can finish up quick. Yeah. And then it's the private session. You get to play with us, have fun, see why we get the tagline deadly by design, because these guys make me think. <laughs> like, like there's outside the box thinking, and then there's what the home team does, which is uh the boxes. A theory it doesn't really exist they're, they're that far outside the box <laughs> so i have to think constantly what are they going to do now what are they going to do now and i have to try to counter that so things get pretty deadly pretty quick yep, yep, yep. i'm not out to, i'm not out to kill the characters but i am out to make them regret decisions yep well uh Maximum roll will back you at your 200 just because I want to hang out and play. <laughs> Thank uh, you. You're gonna you're gonna enjoy the session. Yeah, <laughs> we. I, yeah, I'm excited. I'll have to probably do. My wife said I can go to Gary Con in 2023 because I'm doing D and D in the castle this year, and I'm doing the ice and dice. But I'm a I'm a special guest for ice and dice, so I'm gonna try to see if I can fit in the game. But I'm running a lot of things at the ice and dice as a special guest. So I'm not really sure how much time I'll get. I can always make time because I have a lot of folks that'll work the booth and everything. Uh, yeah, are, the, are you going to have a booth at Ice and Dice? That's the plan is to have a vendor booth there. Cool. And so, but we're going to figure out because 
vendor booths don't run 24 hours. That's why the private session will probably always be in the evening after the booth closes, because then the entire team is clear from the booth and we can come down uh, okay. and we just well, set up and play game. Well, I might do it at, I might do ice and dice, but I, you don't need to cover a badge because it's already being covered, but uh, yeah, we can, I'll check it out, see how much is going on. I'm running two companies at the ice and dice convention. So we'll have to see if I can fit in. And I, I told Luke I'd go to 2023 because I wasn't able to do this one. And I wanted to go in person anyway uh, to meet him and hang out. Uh, so probably be at GaryCon. Uh, GaryCon, I will definitely be GaryCon 15. Now that I'm a vent vendor there, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm going to be there permanently. They're going to have a hard time getting rid of me. <laughs> because yeah. that's, that's always the thing we look forward to every year. Like as soon as it ends, my wife and I are going, okay, when... When are they announcing the next date so we can reserve those days off from work? Yeah, and it's a, I mean, you're there with all the originals. I mean, yeah, and it's just, it's just nice. Everybody there's chill. I've always loved it. I've got a lot of friends that go now that I've met through there. So I have to go every year. Yeah, but, I don't like the big cons. Like Gen Con's too no. big for me. It's, I, I did Origins and I got disappointed by Origins really bad one year. They, uh, I talked to Gamma about doing uh, play tests for some adventures that we were going to put out. And uh, like, yeah, well, why don't you do one of them for our Origins After Dark thing? And I was like, okay, yeah, it's got a 3D setup. That would be awesome for it. You know, they didn't really promote it. And they didn't keep it in the convention center. They stuck it in a bar across the street and it was in the basement of the bar across the street and there wasn't a good market. And so I sat there for three hours, nobody showed up and I had this nice 3D setup, all LED lit of this adventure. And I'm just like, I hauled all this here. Grant, I live where Origins is. So it wasn't that bad. But yeah. I'm like, I hauled all of this here on a city bus because it's downtown Columbus. You don't take your car if you live here. Yeah. And I was like, I, I have to take all this home now. And nobody came. That was pointless. You know, I don't yeah, like the big cons. Yeah. I've never big... I've never gone to Gen Con. I don't plan on it. It's too big. Like I think Gary Con in North Texas will probably be the biggest I go to yeah. ever again. Because uh, Darlene, Darlene was at the last uh, Northwest one. Uh, I believe she's down in when I was talking to her, she was at the, the it's in Dallas, right? Uh, or no, I not that one. It's, in, it's I know it's in North Texas. That's the best I know. I, yeah, it's in, it's in Dallas. That's the one that she was telling me about. Sent a bunch of pictures of it. I was like, man, I was gonna be there a week after the convention, so I went and oh, so sad. Uh, but back on the, we should probably get back on the Kickstarter before we run out yeah. of time. Yeah, go uh, ahead. There are, we have stretch goals because uh, everybody loves those. Uh, like. That's my favorite part of Kickstarter. I know that I backed Kickstarter for 10 miniatures and got 19 more out of the stretch goals. Yep. So everybody loves those. Well, with our initial backing is literally $10,000. That's very low. That's really only 200 base backers were needed for the base level backing right. to reach that for every 2000 above that we'll tack on something. The first one is this. Ah, oh, this is an adventure that I made for Cobalt Con 
virtual Cobalt Con 2020. I didn't sell it. Uh, it's it's basically a Tucker's Cobalt. I don't want to sell it because that's not my idea. But I think everyone would have fun with it. I know the Cobalt Con people that played in it loved it. It's It did kill. It's the only time I've ever killed. Like, I have killed as a DM the entire home team. Here at Jayhawk <laughs> Games was playtest it because I've made it. There's Cobalt Death Traps and then there's this. This is... This is probably what something Tucker would have enjoyed, whoever Tucker is. Um, then 14,000, we're going to add in another book to the box set called Spells of Dermon, which my wife has done most of the writing on. I've written a few spells, but she's the resident spellcaster in the house. Like I'm the permanent DM, she's the permanent spellcaster. I like it. Uh, so she's right. Writing cleric and magic user spells for it. Most of them have already been written because she's been writing them for years now, playing like 15 years playing now. So we're going to do that. And we're also going to do a digital reward at that level. We will throw in miniature maps for the adventure that comes with the box set called the Petasiga, um, which you'll be able to print or use on your digital tabletop platform of your choice, roll 20, uh, fantasy grounds, whichever one you use, whatever yeah. one you use. I have those files because I've used, I, when I play tested cult of Sega, I printed out miniature maps, took it to cons. So I already have the maps for it done. Uh, 16,000, we're going to reach something called the book of Revan. Revan is a gender neutral deity in this world. Um, what Revan did was Revan before Revan became a full-on deity he made it a time elemental to go back and take DNA from him when he was first level just like just take a chunk of his skin bring it back and he cloned well it's skin no one really knows it's a guy it, it, it's the person who plays Revan is a male but the character, you don't know the gender. So it gets referred to as he a lot accidentally. Anyway, Revan uh, had Revan cloned into numerous forms of Revan. So there's multiple Revans in the world running around. And every so often, the deity Revan releases another Revan into the world. And that's when we have another Revan in a campaign. And all Revan does is create chaos. That's Revan's whole point of existence. Uh, so this book will detail all of the Revans. The Church of Revan, because there is a Church of Revan. And the Flaming Gnome, which is an interdimensional tavern owned by a Revan. And run by another that can jump at will from one plane of existence or setting to another at will. Just to create chaos. That's it. It's if if you take off revenue, you might end up in the abyss when you walk out the door, nice. or you might. If, if he likes you, he might take you somewhere nice when you walk out the door of the tavern. Like you, you need to travel three thousand miles, and you walk out the door of the tavern, you're in the city you need to go to. Um, so there's that, and that is it's that's interesting. It. It'll give plot ideas on how to incorporate a revenue into your own game. 
Revan is very unique and a very interesting NPC or even player character to let somebody run. Yeah. At 18,000, like we're already putting 10 of our monsters from Lethal Lexicon Redo at in the box set as a preview. At 18,000, we're going to double the monsters from 10 to 20. Nice. And it's still not even that's still not even 10% of the monsters that are in the book, but that still gives you a lot of new monsters to work with. And if we hit 20,000, every backer will receive an advanced copy of our next module, Sewers of Irvinia, which is the one that my son wrote and my his twin sister did all the art for. Uh, that's supposed that we're playing on that coming out in January, but we will get that to everyone with the box set before the holidays because I have it just about radio. I have to do a little bit more um, digital editing on the art because she draws it by hand. I scan it to the computer and then I clean up the JPEG. Yeah, I have to go and just do a few more digital touch ups and then just drop it all in together. But everyone will get an advanced one of that. And like I said, uh, we want this shipped to everyone in the U.S. and Canada. We want them to have them in their hands by the holiday season. Um, we do have it available for worldwide backing, but we cannot guarantee we'll have it by holidays because of obvious reasons with how it gets across the oceans to everyone, how long customs takes, the whole nine yards. Well, the benefit is if you, since you do worldwide, if you put APO on your list, that um, the military community, an APO address is the same as a U.S. address. So we would, mm -hmm. I get stuff from the states in about a week and a half when I when yeah. I order from Amazon or when I order when I get something from someone, it's usually a week and a half because it it goes through customs. It's like US to US, basically. So you don't have to do the, all of the extra. Like if yeah. you ship to the UK, there's so many customs levels that has to go through. And it's. Uh, or Australia. Or Australia. Uh, so many. But uh, I feel sorry for friends in Australia right now because it's insanely priced to get stuff and it takes forever to get it. Yeah. So for all you APO, AE, um, AA, any of those uh, APO folks, um, it's just like an American parcel. So yeah. don't worry about it. Not taking... and, yeah, and like I said, like my whole game plan with it is that I'm just finishing layout on the two main books. This is back. The layout will be done in a matter of a week or two tops. Yeah. All I have to do is just drop everything together. I send off the files to my printer. They've already got all my other print files. I just need to send those two books. Once I send those and I do the backer kit and I have everybody's info, I can ship everything out by mid to late November. Yep. There's no reason why anybody in the U S or Canada would not have it before the holidays. So if you're thinking about, if you're thinking about a game in your life that likes old school stuff, heck yeah, there you go. Or, or even even a gamer that's interested in old school and has played fifth edition is curious about old school. Yeah, go for it. I I did an old school version of a Dragonborn because people like the Dragonborn. People like the Tiefling. Okay, you know what? I did an old school version of them just because there's people that do want to play them and love that type of character, but they don't exist in OSR. But they're interested in the OSR. Well, let's give them the character they want in 
the OSR. Some DMs might not like it. Personally, I'm open to options because as a DM, you can always close off options if you don't yeah. like it. You don't have to use something. I don't use manual of the planes half the time, but I have it. Yep, I agree. Um, so why don't you give uh, the listeners a rundown of social medias and the Kickstarter? I'm going to put all your links in the uh, show notes and everything, but it, yeah, a lot of people don't look at that. So I think verbal is a good way to go with it. I don't want to butcher okay. it. So. Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's uh, pretty much you're looking at Jayhawk Games on all of them now. That's J-H-A-L-K Games. Um, on the internet, it's www.jhawkgames.com. And for Kickstarter, if you just type in Dermin, D-U-R-M-I-N, into search, that's the only thing that comes up is for Kickstarter for our box set. Um, that is running through, I believe, the tw- what the twentieth of September, I think. Yeah, we're on. What uh, said? You're on. You're on day nineteen right now. Am I right? Oh no, it's not twentieth. It's uh thirteenth, I yeah. think. It'll be running through then. I'm trying to remember because, holy cow, it's been a while since I've. Yeah, really got, thought of it. You got nineteen days left on it. Um, yep. And uh, we'll get this out as soon as possible and hopefully get some backers to it. Um, yeah. Definitely check it out. I'm an old school gamer. And as soon as I got the links, I immediately was, even if we weren't doing an interview, I'd still would have uh, got them because I love vintage old style stuff. Even if it's made to fit with the current, you know, everything, it's still, it just been, brings me back to my childhood and, and all those fun times that I had, you know, playing D and D back in the day. So, yeah, and and like I said, even if you aren't into options, even if you're very old school and not into options for like races, like you don't want to see like cat folk or duck folk in your world, or you <laughs> you don't want to see a warlock running around or an artificer. You know what? You can use artificer as a good NPC. Yep. But also at the same time, you've got monsters. Every DM likes new monsters. Every DM likes to pick things from different campaign settings. We we've all done it. We can't deny we've all looked at different campaign settings. Going, I like that idea. Like I've used, um, not in this, not in what's being released. No, because it's not allowed. Because it's not OGL. But I have used in my home game the. Living constructs from Eberron, the Warforged. Yep. I thought the idea of a living construct was interesting. You know, you grab things from wherever. Yep. So I encourage everyone at least to look. It can't yeah. hurt. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, we'll stay in contact. And, and uh, you know, every time you come out with something new, you're more than welcome to come back and talk about it and any new kickstarters or any products you want to throw out there or anything new that you got we'll uh, we'll definitely have you back on and and you can tell nice. us more about it and uh yeah i mean it, it was great uh meeting with you and and uh can't wait to uh chat a little bit more and then and uh see what happens down the road all right thank you kelly oh you know what actually i totally forgot this will be the last thing i 
it's been so long. All right, at the end of every episode, I put everybody in a scenario. Uh, it'll be really short, don't worry, it's, it's not too okay. crazy. So uh, again, growing up and playing in the 80s, uh, so you're put in, a, in an environment, uh, you're in a basement, and you get one other person to game with, any book that you wanna use, any edition, you can mix and match. So you get a plus one book and the core book of whatever edition. Uh, a set of dice that you prefer, like a type, what type of munchies, and it's a 24-hour game. Uh, and so there you go. The uh, the one person can be anybody. It can be a person in history. It can be a person, a famous person. If it's a famous person, like from what movie and personality, because, you know, I, as I always say, you know, uh, um, uh, Jim Carrey is not, you know, Ace Ventura in, in real life. Uh, <laughs> right. A little bit more quieter. But yeah, essentially, so you got all these different elements and I interview a lot of dice folks. So they're like, why don't you put dice in there? So like, a, a style of dice. So uh, in the military, we had to do 24 hour guard shifts. Um, and so that's where I came up with the 24 hours. So you can play D&D with anybody you want for 24 hours in a basement, any two books, any set of dice and what kind of food would you have in there? just one person yeah it's you because i'm and seek it's called cq uh it's you and one other soldier uh and you're just okay. stuck together sitting at a desk for 24 hours straight so what i used to do is play D with this person for 24 hours straight so okay I like to see what folks come up with um no offense to the guy gaxes love them luke <laughs> and i get along great and i haven't played with any of them yet but I'm also a musician. There you go. And um, I got to go with one of my guitar heroes, Tom Morello. There you go. And Tom, if you're watching this, I want to do a charity event at GaryCon 15. <laughs> Get in touch with me through Luke. <laughs> you won't regret it. But um, Tom Morello would be the person. Uh, first edition, uh, hands down. I, I can I'm that and I can play that with my eyes closed. Because yep. I've been doing it for so long. Um, and who would DM? Sorry, that was the last part. Who would run? The who game? would DM? You were the special guest. Can we split <laughs> and take turns? Oh, there you go. I have, hey, that's the first time in 70 something episodes that uh... we split and take turns because I haven't been a player in so long. That would be nice. But at the same time, I have this thing I love to show off. Yeah. Um, just the weird twist and stuff I'm up with. Um, so I'd like to split it. Um, snack. Well, my main, my main job's a chef, but at the same time, I don't want to have to make the food too. I mean, my, my peanut butter pie is fantastic. But, uh, I might be simple and just go with like my go-to snack right now, which is, uh, just pretzel sticks yep. and, uh, a nice roasted red pepper garlic hummus. There you go. Because snack that i really enjoy even though i'm a hardcore current i seem to love hummus um and let's see what was the other thing snack, uh, snack. type of dice yeah. type of dice i got i got wrangled for type of dice oh see i love my old school dice but i retired them because i don't want them to get all screwed up so it would probably be uh most of my dice are purple chessics there you go most of my dice 
are purple chestix. I have this thing for the color purple. Um, my purple translucent chestix never fail me. So probably those. Okay. That's that's good. That's the first time someone had a musician. Huh. Uh after I saw that Tom Morello played D and D, I was like, holy oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> I, need, I need I need to sit at a table with him because during a break in the session, I can pick his brain yep. <laughs> on guitar technique. It's uh, like, tell me how you did this. Exactly. Uh, I guess uh, I change mine every time when I do it because it's no fun if it's just one person doing it. Um, since we're going with guitarists, I'll go with Adam Jones from Tool. Um, I'm pretty sure they play d d in their time. They, I, I know... Maynard talked about D&D way back in the day. So I know they had to play. Um, my usual second edition players are um, uh, Monster Manual. And and that's the only book we'll need. I'll let him DM just because he does a lot of really good art and stuff. And he has got a like, really dark mind in a lot of areas. So I'd like to see what kind of creative fields he come up with. And again, same situation where, you know, I haven't been a player in many years. I, I mean, like an active player. Uh, so, yeah, I'd just be a player the whole time. Snack. Um, I like pretzels because living in Germany, it's, we get pretzels all the time. So I'll have to go with that. Um, and then the dice. Uh, I'll have to go with uh, my, my friend from Chaotic Click Clack. She, is, uh, she makes a, a lot of dice for us, and she's made me some really nice dice and uh, so I have to go with her because she listens to the episode. So I don't want to upset her by saying someone else. Uh, yeah, I like that. Those are pretty good ones. I like that uh, the musician. That's a good idea. And splitting. God, you're you're outside the box. People have never said they'd split the thing. We are very we are very outside the box as a company. And and just going out there. Yeah, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Um, like you with the dice, like Mojo Studio sixty six. Cosmo's a friend of mine. I love him, but I haven't rolled anything but his D6s. Oh. All I have, all I have from Studio 66 are D6s. So I don't know how D20 would roll. And it's like, you know, that's the important die. Yep. I used to, I use the sixes for damage all the time, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, our, our, uh, our, our monk, our monk um that Robert is playing right now in our campaign, he's playing like a drunken monk style thing. We have his twisted T dice as his mm. damage dice for his monk that have a twisted T on the six, I believe. I can't nice. twisted T on them. It's like there, that's your drunken monk dice. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, again, thank you for coming on. And we're going to get this episode as, out as fast as possible so we can push All Kickstarter. Right. But uh, again, don't be a stranger. Stay in contact. And, and again, I will. So, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me on, Kelly. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maximum Roll. Join us each week as we interview folks within the gaming and entertainment industry, such as writers, illustrators, artists, podcasts, Twitch and YouTube streamers, social media content creators, handcrafted gaming apparel and merchandise, and much more. You can find Maximum Roll on Apple and Spotify and anywhere else you find your podcast. If you want to be interviewed on the show, just email us at MaximumRollEntertainment at gmail.com 
or Instagram at maximum underscore role underscore entertainment underscore LLC. And if you like Maximum Roll, check out some of the other Dungeons and Dragons podcasts and streams on the Maximum Roll Entertainment Podcast Network, such as, uh, you know what, I'm just going to let them tell you about their shows. Looking for unique and fun twists to your normal D&D podcast? Well, then check out Crumpets and Kerosene. This fun-filled homebrew game takes our adventurers from the modern world into a land of roving gangs of killer clowns, creepy British children, and the mating habits of dragons, and even Santa Claus. Join Jason, Alora, Merle, Sophia, Quentin, and Serene as they quest their way through the realms of mystery and evil. You can find Crumpets and Kerosene on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, and everywhere else you find podcasts. You can also find us on Patreon. Just search Crumpets and Kerosene and get even more wild and crazy fun. Need some excitement on that morning drive to work? Welcome, adventurers, to Constructed Chaos, a live play Dungeons & Dragons podcast full of unpredictable antics, borking doggos, and engaging fantasy storytelling and roleplay. With sessions recorded in a professional studio setting, you'll feel every bit of the action and hear every snide remark by the snarky NPCs. Jump in and have a listen to our flagship campaign, The Wrath of Zealous, to help us construct some chaos. This is Mark Reinhagen, creator of Vampire the Masquerade and all those other monster games. If you like what I did before, you're going to love the Accursed series of games using a narrative version of the D20 5e game system, in which you play cursed beings in a dark fantasy setting called Lostlorn. I'm working with a collective of artists, writers, and game designers called the Tailspinners to bring this world and these games to life, and you're welcome to join us on the ride. We are releasing a new zine every month, uh, which in a series of six, detail and outline a unique and amazing campaign setting. We started with Bloodstone Isle and are moving next onto Invictus, the city of bridges. For a nominal sum, you can get these delivered to you monthly on Patreon. Just type in patreon.com backslash lostlorn. Thanks for listening. Games like Dungeons & Dragons are more popular than ever. But with tons of rules, mountains of books, and so many dice, it can be hard to know where to get started. That's where Dungeoneering with Jason comes in. We're Dungeon Masters for Hire. Take a break and let us run your next game. One-on-one -on -one tutorials are also available for new DMs. Contact Dungeoneering with Jason today. Adventure is just a click away.